Hello, you are listening to KAOP. My name is Danny. And I'm Adam. And this is Accents on Purpose, a weekly radio show that brings you the stories of Seattle's DIY. We are broadcasting live from our studios in Capitol Hill. I'm looking at the meters, and we're about 80, 88 watts of power pumping through our tower, sending out this AM signal all throughout the United States. Adam. Uh, I feel like you've been avoiding me. I feel like you've been purposely not coming. In on what the show. way? Well, every time uh, we go to book a show, you're not here. Well, I, I guess I, I have some hurt feelings from before still that are unresolved. So. Well, I'm glad you're back for for today because today is a very special show. Uh, after we do these introductions, we're going to pack up the studio uh, and drive down to Portland to interview uh, a special guest that lives on Portland. So but we'll get we'll get we'll get to that. Uh, so tell me, how have you been? Uh, you know, I've been doing. I have a lot of free time on my hands now. I've been pursuing a lot of hobbies. Uh, I've Whittling and axe throwing? Knife throwing. Axe throwing, I think, is illegal in Seattle's. Uh, no, it's not. Uh, there's a bar opening that's going to be an axe throwing bar. Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding you. I'm not bullshitting you. Wait, like alcohol? Yes. No, it's fucking crazy, and it's stupid, and it's bullshit. They're gonna get, people are going to be allowed to get drunk and throw axes around. That, that sound, this sounds like an Onion article okay, to me. Okay, great. I'm not going to pull up the article and show it to you, so we'll just let our listeners uh, use Bing, use Bing to look that shit up. Since uh, what about DuckDuckGo? So uh, this this uh, fourth season of Accents on Purpose is uh, officially sponsored by Bing, <laughs> the preferred search engine for AM radio. Internet search engine. Preferred internet search engine for AM radio uh, is their new slogan. So, anyways, you're you're going through boxes. What are you doing? What are you doing? Well, so I. I think I so I, I listened to your I think your last episode I don't know if you're how the continuity of this is going to work two episodes ago two episodes ago I listened to it uh, which was the Brittany Fuller episode uh, she is a DJ on Hollow Earth Radio as well as a writer for The Stranger fantastic app if you haven't listened to it hit pause right now and go back and listen to it so I was I was listening to it and my blood was boiling because I had the probably one of the best I, I can't think of a host that would have been better for me to tell this story to and it made I just was so inferior because it would have been so serendipitous so perfect and now it's completely disjointed it's two episodes ago everyone's forgotten about it it's, it's not going to make as much sense or, or as be as special as it would have been well are you going to cry like a baby or are you just going to tell us a story <laughs> I'm not going to cry like a little baby I'm a big strong man okay uh, anyway, um, strong enough to throw an axe in a bar. I could throw two axes, just two two-hander. Um, so I would say about six years ago, I was working in an office in 2012. Fr- in 2012, 2012, 2012, when the world was going to end, according to John Cusack. Is that true? No, but he was in a movie called 2012. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Uh, well, maybe it was 2011 then, because I think when that movie came out, I was working at a different office. All right, so your, your story your story's already full of holes and lies. So it's 2011, maybe. And uh, a co-worker of mine was in an office, and he was listening to this band called Girl Talk. Yeah. Which I'm, I guess it's not... How would you classify? An artist? Uh, an artist, yeah. Okay. Uh, actually, from Cleveland, Ohio. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes, he is. Wow, a lot of connections there. A lot of serial killers, too, from what I've heard. Um, I don't know if there's more... I mean, there's a very famous one, um, Jeffrey Dahmer, okay. but I don't think there's a lot. Okay. But uh, but you know what? Uh, maybe I'll use Bing yeah. to look that up because Bing is the preferred search engine, internet search engine of AM radio. 
So I come into my coworker and he's listening to Girl Talk and he's making this joke and he goes, it's kind of like Twitter for music. Okay. And I was like, okay, yeah. that's good. I can see that. And then my, I had the, you know, the pictures that they're the meat and I don't want to date the podcast again, but you know, there's this meme that's been going on where it's like a little brain and it has like light coming out of it and then it has the medium brain yeah. and then it has like the guy that's like pure light. Yeah. Which is when you listen to AM radio. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's podcasts, FM radio, AM radio. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, then you have low frequency radio, which yeah. is, anyway. Right now, all the ham radio people are writing in saying... Oh, they're so pissed off. Okay, okay. Back to your story. Back to your story. So he's like, it's... It's like music... It's like the Twitter version of music. And I was like, that's interesting. So I had the brain, the guy's brain going off because I just... It reminded me of something. So we've already flashed back to 2011. We're in my coworker's office. He's talking about Girl Talk. It's like the music version of Twitter. Now we're flashing back again. Whoa. And this is like Adam, little little Adam. He's just he's in the middle of college, fresh face. Hasn't thrown an axe yet. A little bit too emotionally intense. Not as uh, cynical as he is now. And he's leaving. Does he have a lip ring? He might. He might have a lip ring. He might have a lip ring at this point. And uh, he's leaving a uh, a college church's like college a church's college group. Yeah. On a Wednesday night. Leaving or leading? Leaving. Leaving. I yeah. said leading. No, 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 no. He's, he, little Adam was not a leader. Probably still. Anyway. <laughs> uh, and he gets in his car and he turns it on. And the radio comes on. And he starts hearing these, like, numbers. Like, 458. Like, uh, it's a very um, robotic number. Mm-hmm. And then a song plays for about seven seconds. It stops. And then it would be, like, 459. And then a different song plays for about seven seconds, and then it stops, and it'd be 460. And so it was, there was this new radio station that had just come out that was, it was called Quick 96, and all they would do is play seven seconds of a song, mm-hmm. then they would tag it with this reference number of what the song was. It would be like the kind of more the most interesting seven seconds of the song, and then they had a website that you could go to and type in the number, and it would tell you what that artist <laughs> and song. Awful. And I loved it. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. I was so excited. I was like this is. I thought it was amazing because like how many songs could you go through in an hour? And it's just this. You don't have to worry about the intros, the outro. It's yeah. just like. Uh, and I think all the commercials were seven seconds long. God. I just thought it was the coolest thing because you know you can every other radio station they play the full song or the you know the, they yeah. play they oh, you guy, they play the full song yeah Lails. come on unless it's Layla then they cut out that pan so pan skip back to show. 2011 and I'm telling this to my coworker I'm like there was this radio station that was kind of like Girl Talk where they would just play just seven seconds of each song and he's like wow that's crazy so then I spent um, maybe 20 minutes at work like yeah. trying to research it was the radio station's name was Quick 96. And I found someone who had saved about 20 minutes of the actual radio station itself yeah. online. And I downloaded it yeah. and I played it for him. Yeah. And so he was like, okay, that's... He was passing... He was humoring yeah. me, but I was like, isn't this awesome? Isn't this cool? And I completely forgot about that. And then I think later, many years later, I tried to find that like, online, that file again. I couldn't find it anywhere. Did you try the Wayback Machine? I wouldn't have known how to search for it. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I guess it's just lost the time. It's one of these things on the internet that's just gone forever. Yeah. 
And then uh, I was going through an old hard drive or something, and I found the twenty like the twenty minute file yeah. of just someone like recording quick ninety six. This sounds great. So I actually have that file here that we can listen to. Okay. We're not gonna listen to all twenty. No, 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 no. But like, if you go to a uh, minute like seven forty five, I think it's a good representation. Two fifty six. Like. Separated. Well, you know, everyone's playing my here's song you like. They're like, oh, if I miss it, I'm sure it'll come up again. It just, I don't know. I guess I, you know, first of all, I'm a person that has issues with attention. And I like, hey. and I like pop music. And if there's a song that you don't like, it's you know it's going to be over pretty quick. I mean, that sounds that sounds infuriating. To listen oh, to. so it's funny. How often do you listen to it? Did did you listen to it? So here's the. Here's, how many songs did you discover? I don't think I discovered that many. I was so excited. <laughs> I went home, and then uh, I went to go listen to it, uh, like a, a couple days later, and I couldn't find it anywhere. I was like spinning the dial forever trying to find the station again, and I couldn't find it. It was gone. As I was researching this. Later, it, I come to find out there's a thing called that radio stations do called station washing. Okay. And what happens is when you're transferring from one radio station genre to another, yeah. you want to get rid of all the people that were listening to the old one. Yeah. And so they'll do crazy stuff. You're, like, gonna go, you're going from like adult contemporary to like, like country. Exactly. Country, yeah. And so sometimes they'll do stuff like it'll just be a robot talking. Sometimes like I know one radio station, they just played like Louie Louie for 24 hours straight. That's great. What this radio station did was make a fake radio station that only played snippets of songs and then was only on the air for two days. But did, So this you... was actually them changing formats and in the in, in the process of doing that they yeah. made this tiny little radio station fake radio station format yeah. before they went over to the new one but they still had to do all that stuff yeah it was a, it must have been a lot of work uh so i we're, we're not gonna listen to any more of this because it's just it's nonsense but i'm going to make this file available to anyone who wants it so if you email accents on purpose podcast at gmail.com uh, asking for this, I will send you a SoundCloud link that's like a, you know, a non-public one. So I will say this about the file. It is 46 minutes long, yeah. but what I came to find out afterwards is this this is actually when they switched from Quick96 to the new format. Yeah. So when you listen to this file, the first three minutes are voicemails of people complaining about how annoying this oh. station and format is. Here's what listeners are saying about Seattle's newest radio station. Quick 96. Hey, I just wanted to know what's happening to the radio station. What the heck is going on? I'm freaking out. I'm on my way to work. Whatever you guys are doing right now is sick. I wonder if someone could explain to me the new format on the radio station. Uh, 95.7. There's like a lot of um, uh, different types of music is playing for, uh, and it records a number. I like to listen to music. I don't, yeah, I don't want to listen to 
Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Uh, I mean, it's, it's almost like a prank to get some publicity and then get some listeners. Uh, so, uh, Adam, I'm really glad you found it. If anyone, uh, any of our listeners ever worked for Quix96, please email accentsonpurposepodcast at gmail.com, and uh, maybe we'll do a whole special episode interviewing you. Anyways, all right, Adam, uh, you ready to pack up the transmitter and head down to uh, Portland so we can interview the special guest? You know, I, I would love to go. Great. All right. So just pack your bag, get your toothbrush, change undies, bring a swimsuit because we might go swimming. Well, the only the only hitch here is that... Uh, That's your favorite um, Will Smith movie, Hitch. With Kevin Bacon? Yeah. Okay. Um, Kevin James. What's the difference? That's a really good question. Uh, my ankle bracelet, I don't think the transmitter goes that far. The It doesn't have the range, so I'm going to have to sit okay. this one out. Okay, and so now we are back and uh, made the long trek down to Portland. And uh, with me is a very special guest. Uh, a writer uh, and uh, owner and operator of Antiquated Future, a zine distribution company. Hello. Hey. Uh, do you want to introduce yourself and make you know tell a little bit more about uh, Antiquated Future and what you do? Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm Joshua James Amberson, and I started Antiquated Future in 2008. So we're just about to celebrate our 10-year anniversary in November. Congratulations. Thanks. Yeah. And. It was actually it had a different name at the beginning, but it remains the same. It oh, was, no, no, you can't just let that slide. So, wait, what, was, what was the original name? It was the Ms. Valerie Park Distro for the first half of its existence. And, and why then, was it? Why did it have that name? Uh, it was in tribute to an artist that I really like, an unknown artist okay. named Valerie Park, and uh, and it was a complete accident. There, uh, accident's not the right word, but. Um, it was unplanned. The starting of the distro. And okay, so we'll get to we'll get we'll, 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 yeah. let's just jump right into that. Yeah. Okay. We'll get to why you decided to diss her and change the name. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so 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 first uh, for our listeners, kind of like explain what you do as a distro first, in case they don't know, because they're just yeah. mostly fans of AM radio, really. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, so 
distro is a term that I was really familiar with because I um, I grew up in Snohomish or outside of Snohomish, Washington, which is about um, 40 miles northeast of Seattle. And um, really where I lived was really rural. And, um, and this, when I became a teenager, it was the early or mid nineties. And, um, the, and I was interested in, you know, finding art and music and, um, and my mom had a subscription to spin. And at the time they reviewed zines and through somehow through that, I found out about distros, which were these stores essentially or distribution companies that you could order zines and music and shirts and all kinds of various um underground ephemera from and so in my mind they were this thing that were um you know really um you know just it's a really it was a really familiar term and then i started something called a distro and found out really quickly that nobody today knows what that is (laughs) so today for the most part outside of the zine community i say online store i run an online store um just for ease of access Mm -hmm. because for five years or something i had something that had distro in its name a random woman's name that nobody who no one was familiar with and it was very confusing in many ways so um i can understand yeah, yeah yeah so i i say online store uh but um and today i i feel like what things that call themselves zine distros primarily um, distribute zines in various ways. They're they're an online retail store for people who want to buy single zines and there and maybe a wholesaler to stores that want to buy zines and. But but um, you don't just do it online because you also I go to events. Yeah, yeah. Um, don't have like a sometimes. I will use the word pop-up shop because that's really familiar to people, <laughs> I, you know? You're, um, you're really good at this. I, I, when I try to explain things to people, I like, I think I confuse them even more and I shouldn't. I, well, I'm writing all of these down. So well, I, I yeah, I did exactly what you, you <laughs> did because it's not a true pop-up shop that, you know, but there, you know, I'm f- this year was maybe a little less than because I've been really busy, but, um, but in previous years, um, we'd go to a lot of different events and set up tables and, you know, um, zine fests and DIY fairs and things like that. So, so I mean, I might be jumping ahead, but mm-hmm. uh, so you, besides making your own zine, you sell other people, other people's zines. Do you find it difficult to when you're at like a public event, uh, one, you know, one of these pop ups? Mm-hmm. Is it hard to explain other people's work? Like, if, if like well, if mm. someone comes up to the table and they're just like, "Oh, so what is this?" Is it weird when you're like talking? Because especially because most zines are like really personal. Um, it, I was wondering like what it's like to talk about other people's stuff. It's much easier oh. than talking about my own. <laughs> okay, I, well, there you go. I sell very few of my own scenes <laughs> at, when I'm tabling events because I find it very hard to hype up my own work and yeah. really easy to hype up other people's. Okay, well, yeah. there you go. So I, I feel really good and really well-versed in talking about other people's work and how good it is and how you should buy it. And with my own, I'm like, oh, and here's the scene I do. 
Yeah. <laughs> That's really funny. So now when I, so I have a zine also. And uh, when I table at events, um, I'm usually with someone that I know and we have like kind of like different styles and different things. And I joke that sometimes someone will walk up and I'll be like, oh, th- th- this is a TA. This is a target audience. And I, I kind of like, I think I, I kind of like know what someone who would enjoy my stuff kind of sort of looks like interesting and it's, yeah. it's not like a specific thing that could list mm-hmm. but it's more of like a gut feeling and like sometimes people walk up and i'm like you know what? i really don't think they're gonna enjoy my thing like i don't i don't even want to try to sell it to them yeah because i'm just selling my stuff when do you have like if someone walks up can you kind of like maybe like make some like guesses or judgments and like push them towards different things or you just kind of mm-hmm. like everything is equal and you just wait and just describe what people want to describe i will I haven't really thought about that before, but I'm sure I do it subconsciously. You know, subconsciously. Yeah. Okay. And oftentimes I'm very aware of what the first first thing a person picks up is. Yeah. And then I'm, I'm like, okay, that's their, that's their go-to. Yeah. Okay, what else can I recommend based on that, yeah. you know? Based uh, on what that cover is. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and so... And and you know, we have the big sellers whose covers attract, just have this kind of magnetic pull. Yeah. And so a lot of people go for those. And in some ways, that's kind of neutral territory. Like, I can't make a lot of assessments based on someone reaching for the most popular item, you know, yeah. because I'm just like, they could like anything. I don't know. They're just going for the thing that everybody goes for, you know? So I, yeah. it's, sometimes it's a little hard. Um, I don't know if I have any um like cue visual cues or you know, stylistic yeah. fashion cues that i can really like place where where i put their stuff yeah i, th- I think you i think you're just politely saying that i'm a more judgmental person <laughs> I, I wasn't thinking that i was i was thinking, i was thinking you know my um my retail game is off. Yeah. That's what I was, <laughs> I was really thinking. Well, but I mean, do you, do you really feel that you're like selling or are you just kind of like putting things in the hands of people if they want it? Like, I mean, do you, yeah. I mean, I, I've, I've seen you in action. I don't really think that you do like a hard sell or like a, not usually. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I go through, you know, during the course of say, you know, a tabling event, you know, which is maybe like, what at the most eight hours long right and uh, i go through waves you know where sometimes i'm like i'm just gonna sit back (laughs) and i'm not gonna bug anybody because they have been going from table to table and being bugged you know like being sold things you know in some ways and i'm just gonna back off and then i'll go through periods where i'm like i want to talk to some people and you know and i like like i'm like well you know People are coming and they're curious and not everyone's going to ask. So I'm just going to say some things. So I do have, yeah. you, I'll have waves of hard sells, Yeah. but yeah, that's not typically my style. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, I think as like a consumer, it's actually a little bit easier going up to someone who's selling a bunch of different things than just their right. own yeah. because you won't feel like you're personally slight, slighting them. Yeah. Or if it's just one person and like, this is their art and they've put their heart and soul in it and you denied them by walking away and not making eye contact. It's a weird feeling to just walk away. It's a weird feeling. Yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, So, so backtracking a little bit, uh, 
when did you make your like when did you yourself make your first scene like what was it and like um the first thing i called a zine was the first issue of basically paper airplane which is the zine series i've been doing for uh 13 years now so 2005 um and so july 2005 i put out the first issue really didn't plan on it being more than one issue i but i had been helping run a, a small press in olympia called SSO Press from 2001 to um, somewhere around that time, 2000, maybe lasted until 2008 even, um, not not that long, but it was, it was a five-year run, so 2006 maybe, um, but we'd been putting out, um, we'd been putting out zines that we didn't call zines, okay. I would say. Uh, we put out... Um, like poetry chapbooks okay, and yeah. comic scenes and some art scenes. But we would, um, we were, the goal was to eventually make books, I would say. So we called our zines books yeah. in like a kind of, like a, I don't know, we were working towards it kind of way. Yeah. And just like that we were aiming for something different. And so for that period, I feel like, Though I'd really loved zines as a teenager, and I, 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 zines were kind of a word that I was trying to avoid for a period of time for those years because I felt like, um, like just like I wanted to do something different right then. And so making that first issue of Basic Paper Play in 2005 was like kind of a relief, you know, to just be like, just I'm just gonna make a zine and it's gonna be fun and I'm gonna like just say what I want to say and I'm gonna publish what I want to publish and I'm not gonna think about it as much. But so that's a long way of saying that in uh, maybe 1999 or 2000 I made my first poetry zine. Okay. So and was um, it was it just all your stuff? All my stuff. All yeah. Stuff. What was yeah. that called? I don't remember what okay. the first one was called. So you yeah. just did like a bunch with a bunch of different titles. A bunch like, okay. with a bunch of different yeah. titles. It wasn't a series. And um, and then when we started the publishing company, we started this thing called the Olympia Free Poetry Project where we got anyone could sign up. Um, they just had to give us their physical address. And we made a monthly like um, compilation poetry zine uh, with, you know, comics and other things that we just published through donations and then when they were ready we would hand deliver them around olympia and then send off copies and it had like maybe at its peak it had about a 300 person mailing list so that's that's um, really so we made a lot of um these you know compilation poetry zines for um yeah for a couple we we went pretty strong for a couple years and then we we there were a couple of final issues that were spaced very far apart <laughs> it was really hard to keep up with a monthly schedule which you know anyone yeah. who's done anything monthly has found out so Mo- monthly sounds like a nightmare like quarterly mm-hmm. is like mm-hmm. okay because yeah. quarterly at least like you can finish your thing and be like all right you know what? i got a little bit of time for start the for next sure. one. but monthly yeah. it's like as soon as that comes out even before that you, you know you need to you plan you need to be planning for yeah, the next issue yeah. yeah 
Um, and I would say, like, almost in a way, <laughs> like, doing it with other people is a little bit scarier because if you're just doing it yourself, you know exactly where everything is. And then doing it with other people, you know, you put, you know, trust in that. Everyone's there were a lot of variables for yeah. sure. <laughs> that, that is, see, you keep saying things in a much more polite way. <laughs> I am from the Northwest. <laughs> uh, so then, how did you transition into like you know publishing and doing stuff on your own to you know taking in other people, like filling your room with other people's stuff? Like, yeah. did you just? Well, I'll just let you say. Yeah. Well, it was yeah in two thousand eight. I. In my there were a few years where I played in bands, and 2008 was the first year that I did a tour. And what was the name of that band? That band was called Letters, and we had one CD and maybe some buttons. You know, <laughs> so we didn't have a lot of merch yeah. on this for this tour. And yeah. so what I did was like I was like, hey friends, give me the stuff that you make. I'll okay. take it on tour, put it on the merch table. Yeah. And I'll bring back any money that sells oh, to you, yeah. uh, that of stuff that sells. And um, we, yeah, and so that happened. Went on tour, I had a good time, sold some stuff. I got back and I reached out to everybody, and I was like, "Hey, I've got your stuff. I've got some money for you. Just let me know when you want this." And for the most part, didn't hear back from anybody. They were kind of like. I don't really know where I would sell my stuff. This was really, I don't think it was, I think it, Etsy existed, but it wasn't a thing quite yet. Yeah. It might have been 2010 that Etsy started. I can't I remember say, now. I, yeah, I don't, I don't yeah. think it was around 2010. And um, yeah, so they were just like, I have no place to sell these things I made, you know? And so it was, it was a real, it ran the gamut. It was like, some people gave me zines, some people gave me tapes uh some people gave me screen printed shirts you know and patches so it just had like a really wide variety of stuff it's the best yard sale in town yeah right i thought so (laughs) and so i just had this box of other people's merch from tours sitting in my room for months and then november rolls around and i'm just been looking at it every day and being like that that stuff just really needs to be out there i love all that stuff um, why isn't there a place to sell it? And so I just, I got up one morning and didn't even change out of my pajamas, just made a cup of coffee and then just sat down at the computer and I used a Blogspot site and I, from running the press and doing our website, it kind of, you know, knew about, you know, like a using PayPal buttons and, you know, putting HTML in. And so I just adapted a blog spot into a store and put this, scanned the stuff in and put it online and was like, called it the Ms. Valerie Park Distro, just off the cuff yeah. as just like something fun, yeah. you know? And I, then I emailed everyone and I was like, hey, I put your stuff online since you didn't pick it up. I'm going to sell it for you, and when it sells, I'll give you money. If you want it offline, just let me know. And then people just started giving me more stuff, and I just let it grow. And, yeah. And there you go. (laughs) Yeah. Um, What, uh, do you remember the first time you went to an event and, like, table? Like, not not counting your tour, obviously. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, I think it was maybe a 
Portland Zine Symposium the next year, so maybe 2009 was the first time I tabled at an event, and yeah, I I remember it, but I don't <laughs> I don't know if I have a great story about it. Okay. Yeah, to um, yeah, just sometimes things just happen. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think it was. I think it might have been a little bit of a lesson in just figuring out, um, you know, what appealed to what audiences, you know, because I think I just have such a broad taste that I don't, I don't think this way of like, oh, you know, it's in some, some ways it's, I think of it as a curated stock, but to an outside eye, it's like, wow, this is a really broad range of stuff, especially since there are zine distros that specialize in, you know, that are very specific in their tastes. You know, there are like political zine distros and there are mental health zine distros. And, you know, so one that carries political and mental health scenes and also like, like funny joke scenes and poetry scenes and, you know, like that and art zines you know that um i think to an outside audience looks really random to to some and so i think tabling for the first time was kind of teaching me and every time i table honestly because i forget this (laughs) i forget this sitting in my room packing orders where people where a wide variety of people from all around the world are placing orders of all sorts of different things I'm like, everybody loves everything. Great, you know? And then I go to an event, and um, the event, though events attract a wide spectrum of people, they also, you know, like the Portland Zine Symposium attracts a different audience than the Seattle DIY Holiday Fair. Yeah. You know, it's just like a little different. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I'll sell different things at those events. And so definitely the first time tabling taught me some of the you know that just you know I was that I was selling a really broad variety of of stuff and it was just not gonna all appeal to everyone you know so like there was some lessons for sure that first time out but but it's funny because when you think about it if I was gonna go to a bookstore yeah there wouldn't be you know wouldn't be like well we're you know I mean I guess there are bookstores but even bookstores that are just like were very politically motivated, motivated, they still have like literature and like you know yeah. other in like other things. Mm-hmm. So um, I think of it more like that, yeah. you know. I think, um, and I've never thought of it as a personal project. Um, for years, um, my friend Chaske Lindgren helped me run it, and would, we kind of um, split duties for maybe um, at least three years, and he also, you know for years after that kept doing stuff as well and at events there's always been like a little like crew of people who will you know help table and stuff and so even though uh i have for most of that 10 years been doing most of the work i've never thought of it as mine i I always i always go for the first person plural I go for the we yeah. because also I'm carrying like hundreds of artists, you know, and really the antiquated future wouldn't be what it was if it was 
if without all those people, essentially. Yeah. And so I, I just, I think some people, and I, this is not a, a critique by any means, because I think in some ways, um, scene distros and record labels and small presses that kind of where the person who runs it is a really big figure in it, yeah. you know, that they're actually kind of more successful in a certain way. Um, and where, but there are people who kind of see their distro or um, organization as like an extension of themselves. You know, I, I don't really look at antiquated yeah. future that way. And so I just, um, I always think of it as something bigger than me. Uh, I, 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 I know, I, I can really understand what you're saying. And, you know, this podcast aside, um, a lot of my projects uh, that I've been involved with in my whole life, like I've always uh, like had that same thing where like, I think the thing should be what people think of and not the person. Yeah. And like, especially I lived at this uh, DIY show space and I really like, even when it got to the point where like, there was only like really two of us making decisions. I always still try to present it like almost as like everything was a group decision. And like, partly cause I like a little bit of mystery and yeah. like, but then partly because uh, yeah, I, I like when one person's face is just attached to a project, it, it is kind of weird because a lot of people get left out and yeah. then, uh, yeah, you just associate it with their tastes. So, yeah. And then um, it becomes like kind of an image thing, yeah. you know, and, um, in some ways not into that, yeah. you know, or not comfortable with that. So when it came time to do the name change, I mean, you have a, a very great name. It's, it's, oh, it's, thank it's, you. it's, 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 it's really perfect for what you do. And was that something that you like slaved over or was it, or like, you know, coming up with it or was it something that you just kind of like we'll, popped into your head? Well, uh, maybe a year or two before I changed the name of the distro, I had started a cassette tape label called Antiquated Future. And that was, um, yeah, I don't really remember how the name came about, honestly. Yeah. Uh, it was it was something that I just had in my head for a long time. And maybe like as much about my lifestyle or tastes than anything else, you know? Like, I don't know, um, in Large Fire or, you know, in... Um, I was, you know, I was, I was raised by my grandparents. And so I was, I grew up like watching Marx Brothers movies and Madonna videos, you know, like, <laughs> so like there has been this like thing that's, uh, that I've always kind of had like, um, like there's some of my tastes that are like feel, I've always felt really antiquated to you know like my peers you yeah. know that i've like liked old stuff in this way and i like um like you know physical and analog in many ways and um so yeah and then uh you know and then when you sell things that like like zines and tapes and records and to some degree books in which people like some part of the population views them as antiquated mediums when you sell yeah. those online you know that um that it just seemed a little bit natural so yeah over time in those two years where i was running the tape label i was like 
was like, this name is actually should be the distro as well because it's kind of both things to me. Um, But I was really nervous about the name change and so I put it off for a long time, (laughs) uh, honestly. um, Whereas just I had seen other people make name changes and and then not go well, you know, and people just be really confused for a really long time and I was just I was really nervous that was going to happen or we were we were going to lose our audience and um so yeah I did I did put it off for a while and then when it actually happened it's not to say that people weren't confused or um you know there weren't issues with it but it was much easier than I expected it to be and just a couple years before, a part of this nervousness or this hesitation was a couple years before we'd grown like exponentially where one of our zines went viral and it really changed the whole course. Um, It went from being a kind of labor of love project that sometimes Chaske and I would make a few bucks off of, you know, just like we'd put in, way more work than an actual job and you know come out with like uh you know a few bucks at the end and to kind of an actual business you know not a really like well um you know not a great business model you know if you're selling if you're selling zines and tapes you just it isn't a great business model to begin with but it turned into an actual business when this particular zine went viral and just didn't kind of never stopped and so we had this reach that we'd never had before so it was a little bit like do i change our name right in the middle of this that just seems like a really bad idea what if what if it just stopped what if this flow of new people just stopped and so um i did yeah i i was pleasantly surprised when that didn't happen so yeah it's i mean um, i mean besides you know you know being you know phonetically fun to say uh when you Google it, <laughs> the first thing that comes up is actually your site. Yeah, right. Which, I mean, there, there, you know, there's still some like, there's some bands and stuff. I'm like, oh my god, yeah. it's like I'm just really want to find <laughs> more about you. And, yeah, and just like keep trying it's to. It's really up hard. Words. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, thanks for saying that you enjoy the name because sometimes um, a lot of people um, don't don't see it quite right. Um, really? Um, like, I don't know. Um, un- I mean, very, it's very common for people to say furniture. Oh! Antiques and furniture, like, go together so often in, you know, uh, at, you know, um, you know, vintage stores and things like that, that I think the words, you know, just the words and the, the letters bring people to that even though future is so much shorter than furniture, you know, yeah. like, it, like looking at it right now, we're looking at a stack yeah. of flyers on the desk and it's just like, <laughs> you, how do you get furniture out of that? But it's, 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 it just really, says, yeah. it's it, really a common thing. People will be like antiquated furniture. And even people that I distro have said it before. That's really funny. Yeah. Like even people I've distroed for years, have said antiquated furniture and i'm like have you been calling it antiquated furniture the whole time (laughs) um and a lot of people add an s too antiquated futures oh which i think is kind of it's um fun 
but it so many people say it yeah. and and people that I work with as well that I um that I'm like is that how is that what you think the actual name is or is yeah. that what just what you like to call it you know I'm I'm never sure there 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 I mean being uh, from the Pacific Northwest, I know that a lot of times people say Alaskan Airlines instead mm-hmm. of Alaska Airlines. Oh, yeah. And it's just, uh, there's, there's, there's this one time I was listening to a podcast where they were talking about a lot of things that every, like, not everyone, but lots of people mispronounce yeah. or add S's and do things. Uh, mm-hmm. Antiquated furniture. That's. Yeah. Antiquated futures. <sighs> that's antiquated futures. My, uh, my family has a, well, so a lot of people add a apostrophe s to fred meyer yeah a grocery yeah, store yeah. so i um yeah my mom my stepdad have this thing where they always call it fred meyers's <laughs> as just a joke on yeah, that yeah. and they but they say it every time they're yeah. uh, they're really consistent with this joke um and Wait, will they the, sit around people that won't know that it's a joke yeah okay that's mm-hmm. great definitely those, yeah. those are the best jokes yeah <laughs> <laughs> those are the best jokes so for people that aren't familiar with your zine, what is it kind of like? Because it, it changes up a little bit, too. Yeah. So I guess t- talk about maybe the most current issue. Most or current, not, yeah. Or not, or just talk about however you want. Yeah. For Basic Paper Airplane, it's a... Um, it's... Yeah, every issue is different. And, it's, and that's pretty intentional that I... Um, kind of try something different or work under a different theme for each issue and the but there's kind of a concept and it's loose like my concepts for most of the projects I have but it's uh that it's just like a paper airplane something small that you throw into the world and you just like I just see where it lands essentially and um and the most current issue deals with interviews and there so there are 10 interviews with writers artists and musicians that I really like and I've done um, as freelance pieces um, mostly for the Portland Mercury which is the strangers sister paper and uh, that didn't appear in full form in some way you know that i used the interview for an article where i just pulled one to three quotes out uh or it was a very short q a and then the rest of these interviews were lost and so yes the the issue kind of digs those um kind of reclaims those interviews (laughs) and and brings them um you know like out into the world and but it's also i'm hoping i'm hoping this comes across that it's thinking about like what why we why we interview people and you know um just like why we're doing this right now like what's um, you know trust me a lot lot of people ask me why you do that. yeah yeah and i mean it's because it's an odd thing we're having a conversation right now but it's also you know it's artificial in some way you know that it's that it's there's something that like we're forcing this to happen you know yeah. it's enjoyable um yeah. but it's very different than the conversation we had right yeah. before this yeah. when we were getting breakfast yeah. you know that i mean that's that, that's one of the reasons that i want to do this and i enjoy doing this is because i actually just always have a lot of questions for people yeah me too and so it's weird especially with like maybe like bands and stuff like that 
to just approach them and like be oh, throwing yeah. all these things. <laughs> it's like, why? Like, who are you? Right. Why are you doing this to me? Yeah. But you know, you put a microphone in front of them and you let them know that this is going out into the world. And it's, it is a very, it's a very different conversation. Yeah. Uh, it so, gives yeah. a reason for your curiosity in a, in a certain way. And so, yeah, it's been, it was thinking about that. And part of the reason I decided to do an um, issue of interviews was I've been working on this oral history project of a uh, Portland underground newsprint magazine from the 80s and 90s called Snipe Hunt. And um, so I interviewed maybe uh, 25 to 30 people who used to work on the the magazine. And and so I just did a lot of interviews in a really short amount of time. You know, sometimes I was interviewing a few people during the course of the day. And um, so, and some of those, most of those interviews were great. And I just thought they were, um, you know, just got off the phone and I was like, wow, I wish I was friends with that person. You know, I was, you know, like, I hope I get to, a lot of them were phone interviews. So a lot of them was, I hope I get to meet them in real life. You know, I hope we keep up. And then some just flopped. You know, there were a few in there that just, I would get off the phone with one person and have this great interview. And then I would call up the next person and it just wouldn't work. You know, like there was something about it that just didn't, I was like, did something, did I change? (laughs) Did, you know, like in that, in that two minutes where I was, you know, resetting my handheld recorder and, you know, and like getting it prepped for the next interview, did something in me switch? You know, did I, did I get off my game in some way, you know? And so, and it was just, it kind of, it really pointed out the unpredictability of an interview that it's just like, you know, there's so many variables going in and it's one of those things that I'm sure you've experienced this doing the podcast, but you've got you get better at it. You know, I'm way better at doing an interview now than I was when I interviewed, yeah. you know, did my first interview years ago, you know, like I probably, probably didn't know what I was doing and yeah. probably, you know, like made the, the, person being interviewed really uncomfortable and you know i just um i know that i've gotten better but it's one of those things that you can never perfect you know that you because people come to the interview with so many expectations of what it's going to be your connection with a person varies so much that it's just fascinating to me that there's this thing that's like always a crapshoot that you can always get wrong even you know like like Studs Terkel or something. If you listen to his, some of the archive interviews, some of them, he's the best interviewer in the world. And it's just, you know, like, and it's this wonderful conversation. And some of them, he, you know, he seems rude or, you know, that he, you can feel like how he's interrupting the other person's flow. And, you know, and, and so it's interesting to see that even the best interviewers, fail sometimes like it's just something that you 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 don't you know you can never like get fully right and so i don't that's what um i really doubt that what ended up in the zine is is like the (laughs) the big idea that brought me to the project but that's that's what got me there well i mean one of the good things about doing interviews too is that it is a way like to 
curate a collection of stories. Yeah. Whereas if you would have, you know, all the people you interviewed, if you would have asked all of them, like, hey, write me a story for my zine. Yeah. Half of them wouldn't, and then <laughs> if they're not writers, then it probably wouldn't even be the best representation of themselves. Yeah. And so it's just, it's also, and this is going back to like the reason I do the podcast too, is like it's a way to get certain people to tell their stories because they have these great stories. Right. I, I love stories. I love people's personal stories, and it's just another way of like getting those out, throwing them to the world. Yeah. Okay. Did you get the Zenus I sent to you? I did. I My didn't fault. have a chance to That's read fine. it. But uh, no, I was. It was. I, it was a very like narrow window. There, yeah. Well, you know? was, what was funny was I I ripped it open, the envelope open, and I looked real quick because I was worried that you were going to be like, "Hey, I can't do the interview, but here's the scene." Oh I was like, yeah. Okay, phew, yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> that's good. That's that's what my mind goes yeah. to is the disaster right. for. Right. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, but I'll uh, remember that for next time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and so is it difficult like balancing? your own writing and your own work with all the like i guess administration of operating a zine distro like does your own stuff suffer and like <laughs> how frustrated does that make you <laughs> for sure yeah it, it's it at times it suffers yeah um the holiday season for sure um we get really busy and i yeah i really and it's just so constant, you know, just orders coming in so with such speed that I um, it makes it really hard to focus on my own creative projects because even, you know, I just know that there's someone sending an email right now as I'm trying to write this, you know, man, piece of writing. That man, I, I feel like this whole interview, I'm, I'm holding you back from uh, from fulfilling orders. No, no, this is not the holiday season. Oh, yes, yeah, there, there probably has not been an order that has come in since we started this podcast. Wait, so... So when did, when did you start noticing this big jump in the holiday season? And, like, then when does it start for you? Like what, mm, like, mm -hmm. like, is it, is it the day after Thanksgiving or like? It's changed. I'll say that. Um, but yeah, the big jump didn't match up directly. So the zine that went viral was in 2010, um, or 11 and it's called shit's fucked a positivity guide. And it's this little quarter size zine that my friend Gina made. And you know, it's just like a tiny self-care zine, yeah. essentially. And, um, and but it has uh, a cover with a house on fire and it says shit's fucked a positivity guide. And the cover is like one of those magnet covers that everyone yeah. goes for. And it got posted online and, uh, or on, I think the first place it went viral was on Reddit. And oh. <laughs> there was a Reddit, Reddit thread. I was in 2010 or 11. I was not even really familiar with Reddit, so it was what, what, what a what a what a what a great time <laughs> yeah. in everyone's life when they're right. not yet familiar <laughs> yeah. with Reddit. Uh, wait, so this one real quick. When you yeah. said one of those magnet covers, yeah. For a second, I thought you meant it's so good that you can make a magnet on it to put on your fridge. Oh, yeah, it but, would make a good magnet. But then I realized what you meant is that you're just attracted to it. Yeah, like what, what, <laughs> I, what I was talking about, like what people like, gravitate towards yeah. at, a, at a zine yeah. fest or tabling event, it's like that's one that is just yeah. like, like they see the cover and it's like the yeah. first thing, you know, like yeah. five out of ten people for sure will go for that first, yeah. you know. 
I thought, yeah, I thought, yeah, I, I thought magnet cover was like some industry term. Like, <laughs> right. It's, it's one of those covers. It could be. You just make a magnet. It really could be. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, so wait, do you remember what Reddit page it was on, or what uh, the subreddit? I mean, I it was, was somebody. It somebody was or? like, I was feeling sad, and this was the the post. Yeah. I don't know what this subreddit was, honestly, okay. but I I and I was feeling sad, and my mom got me this scene, and it made me feel better. That was like the yeah. whole post, yeah. and just thousands and thousands of orders um i think we sold like you know a thousand copies of it in that first week and it just like yeah it didn't stop (laughs) did you have enough envelopes no we didn't have enough zines either (laughs) yeah yeah it was a lot of um yeah it was a lot of um her reprinting zines and us filling envelopes and it just really yeah it didn't stop but the holiday season thing didn't really start that year i would say i mean to some extent we got more orders for that particular zine but it wasn't like it was just that yeah and i mean people were ordering other stuff in the process they'd come to the site and then be like oh they've got other cool stuff great you know but that wasn't the vast majority of the people ordering it was just like i'm gonna order one to ten copies of this one zine you know and uh yes so but i think i moved to portland um six years ago and it was sometime around that move that that the holiday season became a thing um for antiquated future where it's just like that was yeah suddenly people were just kind of for some one reason or another i've never advertised or anything so um i don't really know how this happens but it's just people knew about it and they were like this is a place that i can get stuff for a bunch of different people and yeah so it started to build around then but yeah definitely the last four years the holiday season's been really busy in the last year the last two years probably um of uh we've started wholesaling to a lot more stores oh wow and so at this point it's like almost half of what we sell is to stores and half is retail so which has never been the case before and so the holiday season actually starts a lot earlier now because stores buy their stock for the holidays earlier so it's like more like late October now, yeah. you know, and so November and December are really a busy time for me, and my, my work totally suffers November or December, and I'm trying, still trying to figure out a way around it. That is like, like, do I hire a friend yeah. for those months, it, or no, you know, it, it's you know, just inter- like a you yeah. know, talk to one of the community colleges, talk to the business school, talk to you know, get, get an a, intern, get an intern, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, people have recommended that before. <laughs> yeah. I... What is like the kind of the end of the holiday season? Because it wouldn't mm-hmm. be Christmas because everyone would try to order everything. Like yeah. That. Oh, and do any, does anyone like, like, there's like, ask you for like really fast overnight shipping? Like, oh, totally. It, oh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I, I've started just like kind of being like accommodate fast shipping when i'm emailing with people but like i i don't i don't mess with the expedited you know one day thing it's just 
too expensive. I can I can't reason someone spending five dollars on a zine and thirty dollars on shipping you know i just want like i refuse to even like be a part of that you know so i i oftentimes tell those people i'm like no it's yeah we just don't do that but yeah Uh, i mean people at the record store i work at people in other countries will buy like seriously like a four dollar record and then spend twenty four dollars to have yeah right it's it's like you've really needed this record that bad yeah yeah it's crazy yeah the international shipping has gotten so yeah. expensive and just nuts yeah i really can't believe it did you uh do you print out the postage at your place or do you have to drop it off at the post office yeah or? no i i print off right where i'm sitting okay. right now and i um i leave it on the porch and the mailman picks it up oh yeah uh, my mom's a postal carrier oh. and at some point she was like you know you can just schedule pickups because i don't have a car and so oftentimes I carry absurd amounts of things to the post office yeah. or you have for years. And yeah. And then in the last year, she's been like, she, she brought this up. She's like, you just leave it on, you, you schedule it online and they, they do it. And it's not a separate pickup. And it's not a separate fee yeah. or, you know, it's just free. And I was like, oh, isn't that, you know, cause I'm considering myself pretty like, um, sensitive like it's not a fun job it's a really difficult job and it's really physically taxing so leaving a bunch of big boxes and envelopes on the porch for the mail person to pick up didn't sound like the most polite thing to do but my mom was just like so many people do it you just should do it so that's what i do now and it's made my life so much easier (laughs) i'm lucky enough that uh both my store and where i live is I have to pass the post office anyways. Oh, so it's nice. It's great. Yeah, and it's funny because some days I will, I will actually go twice because I'll have a bunch of stuff that I need to mail, and then I'll go into work, and there's a bunch of records that have to go out. Right. And I have a really good relationship with almost everyone who works at the post office. Yeah, They're me really too. Nice. Mm-hmm. And what's funny is that I use a lot, like for my personal stuff, I use a lot of combination of like old stamps and they find it hilarious they just like they, just, they like i'll like i'll go in and drop stuff off and they're like look and just like smile and laugh that's great um and then they also you know a lot of times i'll just need a bunch of one cent stamps because i have a combination that's good enough right. but, yeah anyway yeah i that's one thing i really miss about <laughs> going to the post office <laughs> multiple times a week is that i yeah i have my buddies at the post office but i still have a p.o box okay so, so i yeah. at least go i um the p.o box is in the neighborhood i used to live in and so i do still get to see those people once yeah. a week but the the post office in my current neighborhood i don't see them anymore because i just don't go there and i kind of i kind of do miss them i think i think (laughs) about them sometime one time i stopped in really randomly i i had a package that had to kind of go out on a saturday or something like that and um and i uh i just kind of needed to get it out and i was going up there anyway so i dropped it off and they uh, invited me to a what, like the grumpiest mail carriers they invited me to um like a mail clerk's uh retirement party oh my goodness and i was like i felt like i'd won the lottery or yeah. something you know like i was like debbie's retirement party <laughs> i was just like yeah. ah 
I'm in. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> that, that's pretty great. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wait. So speaking of PO boxes, uh, we should, you know, I probably said this earlier, but if people wanted to find you, I mean, it's easy to Google, but uh, how are the different ways that they can uh, get a hold of you? Yeah. Well, there's, yeah, there's the website, it's antiquatedfuture.com. And were you surprised that that was still available? Um, no, okay. not really. No. Yeah. Um, I guess I shouldn't have assumed that it was still available. Maybe you had to spend, uh, you know, buy it off of someone for yeah, know, right. $10,000. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, yeah, no, it was like 10 bucks or something. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, so there's that. Uh, we also have an um, Etsy page. You can write us a letter. We do have a P.O. Box. Do you want me to give the P.O. Box? I, I, don't, yeah. know. I don't know. Yeah. You, you think actually someone will? People do <sighs> place like mail orders. Yeah. yeah. Um, one of our best mail order customers is in Seattle, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's really yeah, yeah. Whereas every time we send a newsletter yeah. and, um, and we've, you know, we become friends over the years and we yeah. write letters and, um, yeah, he's just the best. But uh, it's P.O. Box 42081, Portland, Oregon. Nine seven two four two. Okay, I want I want all of my listeners to send Antiquated Future a postcard that just said "Great podcast." We'll see if anyone does that. Yeah, if you if you send a postcard, I'll send you one of an issue of Basic Paper Airplane. <laughs> Whoa, that's back. really up in the air. No, yeah, no, no money exchange, <laughs> just postcard, and you get a zine back. So make sure you put yeah. your return address. Yeah, make sure you put your return address. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so. Now, this is a question I often ask uh, the guests, but I'm, I'm going to add a, 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 a second question to it. Okay. So let's say you sold the rights to the story of Antiquated Future. Mm-hmm. Not, so not <laughs> only who would play you in the movie, but when you had that like one zine go viral, what song would be playing during the montage of you like going crazy? Oh, good God. And <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea who would play me. Do you have any guesses? Or, uh, no, no, no. I mean, this. I mean, do do do, do anyone do, like? Are you ever told like, oh, you look like this person? Or? You know, it's. I don't think this has happened in years, but there was a period of my life, yeah, where people would, uh, you know, usually middle-aged people would say Steve McQueen. Oh, you know what? Like, I do see that. And I didn't used yeah. to. I didn't used to wear my glasses very often, so okay. that was also factored yeah. into it. And we're talking about the Steve McQueen that was in, like, Bullet in The Greatest Game. Yes, not, yeah. the, not the current uh, no. film director. No, that's, yeah, yeah. Uh, for the radio audience. Mm-hmm. And so I did used to get that a lot, and ne- you never get that anymore. Um, I've never heard any other actor, like, nobody's been, like... Well, that's, that's good, yeah. actually, that's good. And, that's, yeah, and... Montage song? You got anything? Montage song. I mean, like... Um, you know, I wouldn't actually go for something that I liked, you know, I would like, because my, like, my concept of the montage is so stuck in, like, um, USA Up All Night movies, yeah. you know, oh, like, yeah. that it's just like, it's like, really, you know, it would be like taking care of business or something, you know, like, it would just be like, like the, the song that I would never put on. But that I associate most with the montage. Yeah. Take know? care of business. That would be that, that, that'd be perfect. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's lyrically it fits, and uh, you know it, it, it's an upbeat number. Yeah. Uh, so I usually also end by asking the guests where in Seattle they get coffee, but this is great. So when 
all my listeners make a trek down to Portland, where where is the place you direct them to get a good cup of coffee? Well, I you don't drink, do you drink coffee? I do historically. Oh. I haven't. Um, I well, um, yeah. I just got diagnosed with Crohn's and um, trying to get the inflammation down. So I have been off of coffee for. Um, Almost a couple months now. Okay. Um, it, it, maybe it feels like a couple months, but it's probably more like, you know, a month and a week or something, you know? <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I love, love, love coffee. And um, actually, my favorite cup of coffee is in my neighborhood. It's like, you know, the closest actual coffee shop to my house, which seems... It seems really, you know, like convenience definitely factors into why I go there. But um, I do think having gone, have, being a writer and a freelancer who spends a lot of time at coffee shops and coffee shops around the city, I'm going to say Woodlawn Coffee and Pastry okay. makes the best cup of coffee. Well, there you go. Yeah. Everybody. Um, well, great. Uh, thank you very much for letting me uh, invade your home and do this interview. And uh, do you have any events coming up that the public will be at? Or... Not, not planned. Okay. Hopefully something this, yeah. this fall and winter. Because um, you've come up to Seattle for the DIY fair, correct? Yeah, last year was the first year I'd missed. So I'd gone to eight years before. Yeah, we'd, we'd had a table... Since the, I think the very first one when I was still at the Happy Time Fun Club. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it was really weird missing last year. But maybe Seattle for the um, Hollowworth and Vera Project DIY Holiday Fair in December. Awesome. Well, yeah. everyone, please go to Antiquated Futures, uh, Futures Table. Uh, well, thank you very much. Yeah. We're, we're done. 289. How about that? How about that? 290.